has reached epidemic proportions in America. I'm Dr. Paul Christo. This is Aches and Gains. Dr. Paul Christo is one of America's leading experts on relieving pain. He's board-certified, Harvard-trained, and a pain medicine specialist at Johns Hopkins. U.S. News & World Report ranks him as a top doctor and among the top 1% in the nation for pain management. Becker's Review selected him as one of the 70 best pain management physicians in America. He's listed as a super doctor for the Washington, D.C., Baltimore, Northern Virginia area. Aches and Gains is a weekly talk show covering all aspects of pain and pain relief. The human impact is real. Older adults, children, and even infants struggle to cope with pain. But there's hope, and there are treatments that can ease pain and suffering. The show offers compelling stories about people who've found relief. We share cutting-edge treatments from contributing experts, and we offer ways to help people cope with their pain. Welcome to the show. Do women experience more pain than men? Is pain more severe in women? Or are women just overly emotional about their pain? Importantly, do gender differences in how pain is expressed affect quality of care? And how about the sex hormones, estrogen and testosterone? Does one promote pain and the other protect against it? The findings from the scientific research may surprise you, and our guests will definitely uncover a lot about sexual differences in pain. Our first guest is Jennifer Bolin. She's an attorney and founder of The Legal Side of Pain. Jennifer's own battle with chronic pain has given her first-hand knowledge of gender disparities in the medical system. She's here to share her personal experience with navigating through these disparities and what she's found successful. Then Dr. Roger Fillingham, director of the University of Florida Pain Research and Intervention Center, joins us. He'll reveal what's really known about the prevalence of pain in women, details about sexual differences in pain, and what the future holds for gender-specific therapies. Aches and Gains is supported by Nevro, St. Jude Medical, Bioness, Boston Scientific, and Nuvectra. For cutting-edge treatments and ways to manage pain, please sign up for weekly emails at paulchristomd.com. Jennifer Bolin specializes in developing risk management programs for the use of controlled substances to treat pain. She's a sought-after speaker at national pain meetings and serves on the editorial board for professional medical journals. Jennifer, welcome to Aches and Gains. Hey, great to be here, and I really look forward to our conversation. Me too. Now, tell us about your own struggle with pain. How did it begin? Yeah, you know, a long time ago, well over 20 years ago, I had a horse fall on me uh, in preparation for competition. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize at the time that it was going to lead to chronic pain in my life. And uh, today I still have the pain, but I, I function pretty well and still deal with horses. Wow. Tell us more about that horse accident. What what exactly happened? So I was uh, galloping a horse in a pasture preparing for a competition, and I had a helmet and a vest on. Mm-hmm. And the horse hit a hole that was dug overnight by some sort of Texas varmin. And uh, when he hit the hole, he tried to stay up, but yeah. he fell. And he rolled over my back. Wow. Uh, and so his body caught my lower body, and it kind of twisted my spine. Mm-hmm. I, I really didn't think I was injured at the time, and the horse wasn't seriously injured. Uh, we did not compete that day, but, but that's essentially what happened. What resulted after that accident? Yeah, 
I began to feel some shooting pains down my leg and stiffness that I didn't have previously mm -hmm. and couldn't ride for a while. Got checked out to make sure I didn't have a concussion or anything. And, you know, down the road as I got older, uh, I realized that there was pain in my lower back and eventually had my back x-rayed. And they found that there were some discs that were uh, damaged and my facets ended up being twisted. Mm. If you ride horses enough, you're going to get thrown occasionally. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, so it's it's the life of somebody that's been, you know, an equestrian for 40 plus years. Mm -hmm. It's what I love to do. So, you know, I'm going to find a way to continue to do it. Absolutely. Now, you've had chronic pain for about 17 years. How has that affected your family life? Well, you know, I went through a phase where I really didn't feel like doing anything. I actually walked with a cane for a while. Mm -hmm. And that wasn't because of an acute injury other than the knee. It actually was because I couldn't get my right leg to work. That's been the most damage. And so I, my family's like, why don't you want to go out? It's uncomfortable to sit in a movie theater. It's uncomfortable to sit in some restaurants. And, you know, you just get to where you're feeling down. And I don't know, it feels like the world kind of collapses on you. And then you decide which way you're going to take that yeah. from there. And, you know, uh, my relationship with my husband suffered. Sometimes when you're in a lot of pain, um, you know, you get crabby and cranky, you don't sleep well at times, and it goes in cycles. So, you know, that, that's how it's affected me. Yeah, I've definitely heard that from patients of mine. It affects them emotionally, it affects their relationships with their family and their friends, and they can feel depressed at times. Now, you're an attorney. How has the pain affected you professionally? <laughs> well, I stopped wearing high heels. <laughs> You know, I used to go into court all the time, and we, and as a woman, most of the time we would wear, you know, suits that had skirts with them. Mm -hmm. And uh, at the point that I um, couldn't really feel comfortable in heels anymore, I switched to pants suits. And actually, had a judge comment on it one time <laughs> in federal court, and it kind of just took me aback for a lot of different reasons. Mm -hmm. um, it's changed my ability to to sit comfortably, but. Uh, and also, when I, you know, when I speak sometimes, I walk around to not feel the pain of having to stand still, because it hurts me more when I have to stand still. Mm -hmm. Thankfully, it didn't really affect my brain. I think there were times that I was depressed and didn't want to deal with stuff, but that's pretty common in a law practice anyway, so <laughs> it's hard to say whether that came from the pain or just a combination of being a, a lawyer long term. <laughs> right. Jennifer, there's some evidence in the literature that pain is undertreated in women. Uh, for example, abdominal pain, cancer pain, and even AIDS-related pain. When you were seeking help from doctors, did you ever feel as though your pain was undertreated because you are a woman? There was a time where I wondered if that might not be the case, and it wasn't necessarily because my doctor was a man. Um, you know, I saw both men and women uh, I think it has a lot to do with um, a, a lack of understanding and knowledge by many members of the medical community mm -hmm. uh, regarding how to deal with, with people in pain. And as a woman, I think a lot of times they would attribute the pain to, you know, when I had a monthly cycle or something like that, the mm -hmm. all-over body aches. Right. It caused me to learn to be more of an advocate for myself, and I learned a lot, which allowed me to be more vocal. Well, I'm glad that you became much more self-confident and empowered. Now, Jennifer, on the other hand, was your pain ever over-treated? Because, you know, frankly, some feel that pain is simply more severe in women, and therefore they need to be more aggressively treated. You know, 
that's a really good question. Um, I guess in my own personal experience, one of the things that I wish was different in my treatment was that I had been offered other medications first. Mm-hmm. I, I don't take any opioids now. I take an antidepressant that helps with the nerve pain. Mm-hmm. I've used an anticonvulsant gabapentin that gained some weight, and, and I didn't get offered those things to begin with. And, you know, I ended up with a muscle relaxer and an opioid. I never had a, a benzodiazepine except for one time at night. And then looking back, I think that maybe was a, a mistreatment in the sense that I didn't get offered some other options, and I didn't really understand to ask for them at mm-hmm. the time. Right. I don't know if that was because I was a woman as much as it was, this is how pain management worked during that period. Well, that mistreatment maybe was somewhat of an overtreatment, uh, because in fact, studies have shown that healthcare professionals feel that women experience greater pain intensity and unpleasantness, and as a result, are more likely to recommend opioids, which is what sounds like happened in your case. When you describe pain to your doctor as a woman, I mean, it when it hurts, it really hurts, and it's a, a, a debilitating experience, and I think doctors do respond to that, and Um, You know, a woman could liken it to childbirth. I haven't had my own children, so I can't compare it that way, but I can describe what makes me cry or fall to my knees, and and I've had that type of pain, Mm -hmm. and I've used that type of language with my doctor, and so that may have been the response, and I don't tend to pin that on me as being a woman, but in hindsight, that very much likely was the case. Mm -hmm. Now, speaking of emotions... Pain expression is generally more socially acceptable among women. So, Jennifer, how do sociocultural beliefs about femininity and masculinity influence how pain is expressed? You know, I think women probably talk about those experiences more, Mm -hmm. which probably provides some level of relief from suffering. It doesn't really remove the pain, but it can make you feel like you're not abnormal, so to speak. I think men tend to be more introverted about it and they got to be tough and they can't really say much about it. And all the women that I hang out with that are horse people, (laughs) we're all walking crooked and talking about it. And uh, it would take a lot of skill for that practitioner, man or woman, to draw that out of a male patient versus a female patient that might just come in and dump. Mm -hmm. And I think the research shows that men typically are more cerebral and problem-focused when it comes to pain management, whereas women rely more on other supports and friendships. We have to take a break, but when we come back, we'll ask Jennifer whether she feels that women suffer from pain more than men. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and you're listening to Aches and Gains. Aches and Gains is supported by Nevro, the global leader in evidence-based and drug-free chronic pain technologies. We are here to help patients get back their independence. Bioness a leading provider of solution-driven medical devices and rehabilitation technologies that provide functional and therapeutic benefits for individuals affected by pain and central nervous system disorders. For cutting-edge treatments and resources, follow Dr. Paul Christo on Twitter at Dr. Paul Christo and like Aches and Gains with Dr. Paul Christo on Facebook. Welcome back. We're here with Jennifer Bolin speaking about women and pain. Jennifer, historically, it seems that women have had to suffer in pain more than men. Uh, For example, in the 1800s, many Christian churches felt that using anesthesia during childbirth violated God's commandment to Eve and therefore opposed it. What do you think? (laughs) 
not any church I've ever gone to. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's a different one. Uh-huh. I know what the Bible says, but um, uh, you know, I, I think that there has been a societal burden, or whether it comes from uh, religion or faith, placed on women mm-hmm. that ends up making it appear as if a woman has to suffer the pain because the woman is so integral to the family and a lot of what happens in a family. Yet, I still believe there's an aspect of, uh, you know, depending on maybe the age of the physician uh, as a male um, and experience treating pain, that they may not always believe a woman when they say they have pain to this level. They think of all the other things you've handled why can't you handle this? Mm-hmm. And while I may not have experienced it, or I may have been a little more immune to it, remember, I spent most of my career in a real male world. I have a, a sickness in my skin to some degree that may not see all those things. And so if a woman's listening to this interview, she may think, well, yeah, honey, you just haven't experienced that. <laughs> I've been taught not to react to that. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's out there, and I think it does happen, and I think there are times that women are treated differently. Okay, then what should they do? Uh, I think a woman, just as a man, needs to learn to speak up for themselves, speak honestly to their physician, ask questions. There's a way to put things the right way to somebody that doesn't really challenge them. And if, if they do feel challenged or offended by what the patient asks, and that's their problem, not the patient. Mm-hmm. And the patient has the ability to go somewhere else and find somebody that's going to listen to them. You know, this has been a great discussion, and there's much more to come in part two. Jennifer, I want to thank you so much for being here today. Thank you, Paul. I really appreciate being invited, and um, I, I like the questions. They're, they're intriguing. I'm going to think more about them. Yes, keep me in the loop. Now, I'd like to introduce Dr. Roger Fillingham. He's a distinguished professor at the University of Florida. He served as president of the American Pain Society and maintains active research programs on studies of sex, ethnic, and age-related differences in the pain experience. Dr. Fillingham, welcome to Aches and Gains. Oh, thank you very much. When we look at the research, why do we see a greater prevalence of pain in women compared to men? Well, that's really the million-dollar question. There's no controversy about whether the prevalence is greater in women. Uh, The bigger questions are about why the prevalence is greater in women. Mm -hmm. We don't have definitive answers about Uh, how all of those potential factors come together uh, to create the greater prevalence of pain uh, in in women. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, there are also uh, theories and hypotheses about um, how women and men may approach pain differently from a psychological and social perspective. That is the, the idea that we socialize little girls and little boys differently and teach them to respond differently to pain Mm -hmm. and whether that might contribute to um, more negative thinking about pain or your ability to deal with pain if you're female versus males may have uh, a greater sense that they're able to manage pain and Mm -hmm. that they should, for example, ignore it and move on. Right. And again, there's some support in various uh, studies for for those concepts, but we still don't know how much those contribute 
to the clinical phenomenon uh, that we see. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are many biological, social, and psychological differences between men and women that can converge in ways that make women more susceptible to pain. Now, Roger, which pain conditions are more prevalent in women? On average, uh, there is a greater burden of neuropathic pain. So, So there are musculoskeletal pain conditions represented There are neuropathic pain conditions represented and certainly visceral pain conditions. I think you mentioned irritable bowel syndrome. Mm -hmm. That's not to say that every pain condition on the planet is more common in women. You you can find pain conditions, for example, cluster headache, that are more common in men. But of the pain conditions that are major public health uh, impacts in terms of the number of people affected and the cost to society, most of those are more common in women than men. Mm-hmm. Now, you mentioned a couple of different categories here, neuropathic pain, and that would include pain, for example, from diabetes called diabetic peripheral neuropathy. And you also mentioned musculoskeletal pain. An example of that would be osteoarthritis. These conditions are, are more prevalent in women. And I also will add migraine headache, chronic tension type headaches as well. Now, Roger... I've noticed in my own practice that Asians, for example, uh, Chinese patients, tend to be more stoic uh, when performing procedures on them and that they don't report as much pain during or after a particular pain-relieving procedure. So what does the scientific literature show about the prevalence of pain in women from other cultures? That is the sort of stereotype of the Asian culture. Uh, On the other hand, when you look at the studies that have been done in the laboratory that compare experimental pain sensitivity in Asian versus uh, non-Hispanic whites, for example, Mm -hmm. uh, in general, the Asians show greater sensitivity to pain. So some of the findings that we have uh, in the literature kind of fly in the face of that cultural stereotype uh, of Asians. Yes, it does. Is pain more severe in women? We'll find out from Dr. Fillingham right after the break. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and you're listening to Aches and Gains. Aches and Gains is supported by Boston Scientific, a leader in microelectric implantable technologies used to treat chronic neuropathic pain. Be sure to look for the exclusive release of Dr. Paul Christo's new book, Aches and Gains. You'll get cutting-edge information on understanding pain, traditional and innovative treatments, and an exciting array of integrative therapies. You'll also get personal accounts of celebrities in their battle to overcome pain. Get your copy on Amazon this fall. Remember, no one is immune to pain, but together we can overcome it. To access podcasts of the show, please go to paulchristomd.com. That's paulchristomd.com. Welcome back. We're here with Dr. Roger Fillingham, Distinguished Professor at the University of Florida. Roger, some studies report greater pain sensitivity in women, but others don't seem to. What's your take on that? We do know that with many chronic pain conditions, a greater proportion of women than men seek care for the condition. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at least from, for example, temporomandibular disorder, TMJ pain, there was evidence that the reason for that is uh, women have more severe pain than men. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen a systematic analysis of that with many other pain conditions, but it may be the case that once we get into the clinical setting, 
any sex differences in pain severity are sort of mitigated by uh, coming to the clinic, whereas in the general population, women may report more severe pain than men for any given condition. Okay. Now let's talk about pain tolerance. For example, can women tolerate more pain than men? Well, if by pain tolerance you mean bringing people into the laboratory and applying controlled stimuli and saying, keep going for as long as you can, we we have an abundance of data to show that men tolerate pain more than women do mm-hmm. in the laboratory. Right. Every time I talk to a group about this, and and usually I'm talking to groups of healthcare providers, um, for example, dentists who do lots of painful procedures to people, and they, in large numbers, agree that women are better patients and better able to tolerate dental pain and procedural pain. And Mm -hmm. and this is a very consistent uh, report that I get from providers. Uh, And so that sort of flies in the face of what (laughs) we see in the laboratory. Right. And it may be that when pain is out of your control and more personally relevant and more threatening, it may be the case that women uh, are more able to tolerate that. Mm -hmm. We do know that women use a broader repertoire of skills to cope with pain. Mm -hmm. And so when they're confronted with pain, they may be more capable of working through the pain. Right. I mean, that makes sense. Now, what's the reason that women are more likely to get a chronic pain condition? I mean, is there an evolutionary reason for that? Because one hypothesis is that, well, women are more highly evolved in their sense organs. In hunter-gatherer societies, uh, presuming that men were the hunters and women were more involved in raising the child, it may have been adaptive Mm-hmm. to be able to detect threat. Uh, and that would be a threat to the child. Uh, that would be a threat to the woman herself. And so being more sensitive and more vigilant to sensory and pain signals might have promoted survival for the woman, whereas for the man who might be running through the brush and uh, you know encountering a variety of painful stimuli to be able to ignore pain Mm -hmm. uh, when the pain was minor might promote more success, again, with survival. Right. That's sort of the idea evolutionarily as to how we might have gotten where we are. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. Let's now talk about pain relief. Do women experience more pain relief than men from an opioid? Well, the experimental studies with morphine showed that women actually do experience more pain relief. When, mm-hmm. when you do experimental pain testing, give the opioid and then repeat the pain testing, women's pain thresholds and pain tolerances go up more than men's okay. do. And then in some of the clinical studies with the mixed action opioids, um, butorphanol, uh, now bufine, women clearly got better pain relief mm-hmm. 
the biggest effects were after dental surgery, and after dental surgery, women got much better pain relief from these mixed-action drugs than uh, than men did. Okay, now let me explain. You talked about the mixed-action opioids. Those are drugs like Nubain, for example, that bind to an opioid receptor to produce pain relief, but also attach to another opioid receptor in the brain or spinal cord to block pain relief. Therefore, it seems like, according to at least some of the literature, that women get more pain relief from opioids than men. That's all we have time for on today's show. And Roger, thank you so much for being here today. It was terrific. Well, thanks very much to you. And you're so welcome. Please join us for part two, when we delve into how the sex hormones influence pain relief, whether genes make a difference, how pain coping strategies differ by gender, and finally, whether the future holds gender-specific therapies for pain control. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and you're listening to Aches and Gains. The views and opinions expressed in this radio program are solely the views of Dr. Paul Christo and do not necessarily express the views of this radio station and Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine, nor an endorsement by any or all of them of any of its content. This show provides medical information, not advice. Please consult your personal physician before engaging in any course of treatment or use of any of the techniques or products discussed on this show. Discussion of particular uses of products on this show have not been approved by any of the manufacturers of such products. To access podcasts of the show, please go to paulchristomd.com. That's paulchristomd.com. Aches and Gains is produced by Ty Ford. Elsa Langford is the technical consultant and engineer. Dr. Paul Christo is the executive producer. Thanks for listening. This is Aches and Gains with Dr. Paul Christo.